Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Let's get to our next guest on FT Live. He is the Reds' director of pitching, promoted to that title in 2021. Derek Johnson joining us right now. Derek, how you doing, man? How come you guys didn't get Otani? I mean, he would have hit about 100, at least 100 home runs a year in uh, a great American. So I was thinking that we had a shot, but um, I don't know. I mean, it sounds like uh, sounds like he did pretty well for himself, right? Uh, yeah, he did very well for himself. Hey, we like to talk. Go ahead, Kratz. I know you're ready to go. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I'm glad you I'm glad you shaved that thing on your chin and you put oh. a Reds hat on. Like, do, you just, do you just have a Reds hat that you just do you go around getting groceries at home? With a red hat, like it's it's a trucker cap, man. Like I, I I drive around in it. I guess it's about the the best I can do. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So why 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 could why would Yamamoto not want to come to Cincinnati to to be under the tutelage of? And I'm saying that jokingly, but I'm also saying this seriously. To me, the best hitting coach in baseball right now, pitching coach in baseball right now is you. Are you dumbing down the pitchers that should come to Cincinnati because the organization says, eh, whatever, DJ will just fix whoever we get and then, you know, we can get value out of our pitchers? Well, I, I, I don't know exactly how to answer that question, but I'll, I'll start by saying, you know, we, we've obviously been in a, a place in our organization where, you know, we've had to make some some cuts and tear the thing down. We're in the process of building it back up. And um, we've acquired some really, really good talent. Um, some of them are still pretty young. Some of those guys actually got thrown into the fire, you know, in the last couple of years, whether they they were ready or not. Um, but, you know, I, I think really in, in the end, we're going to kind of look at this and look back and say, like, it was almost the perfect storm for us because, I think under normal circumstances, some of these guys wouldn't have had a chance to play um, as as early as they they've had a chance. So, I, I think when you look at it that way, you know, you start to to kind of look, okay, what happens in twenty four? What happens in twenty five? Um, and and we've been asking ourselves this question, at least I have lately, is like, what's our year? Um, I, I remember when 
I was with the, the Cubs. I was the, the minor league pitching coordinator. And, and Theo asked us a question. He said, when are we going to win the, the World Series? And at the time, I thought 2017. Um, but, but everything that those guys did, every move they made, um, everything that we did in player development was geared towards, you know, finding that kind of culmination, that point of, of the sphere where it was like, hey, we're going to win it and we're going to go for it. We'll trade guys if we have to to get what we need. And, you know, the rest is history. And I think that's kind of where we're at, um, you know, is, is like where where are we looking at when we can make the biggest splash? And so, you know, we've had to go through a lot. We've had to give up a lot. Um, at the same time, it's been really rewarding. Some of these younger guys are coming up. Um, they still have a ways to, to grow. But at the same time, like it's been a lot of fun watching them do it and doing it on a pretty good sized stage. So when is it? Hey, when is, oh sorry, Jonesy. When is it for the Reds? So when is that? I mean, you, you said know, the Cup seventeen. You're a year off. Well, so when is it for the Reds? Yeah. So if 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 uh, history can repeat itself, I'm going to say twenty six. <laughs> right. So I'll just I'll just go there. I'll just go twenty six. Uh, Fair. I see what you did there. I see what you right. did there. Right. Right. All right, DJ. I want to ask. You've been around, and you. I mean, you started. I mean, so started. You've been around, especially some stud studs since 2011, 12, college. Right. But also predates social media in a way. What do you think about these social media pitching coaches, gurus now that are just obviously a plethora and just just yeah. taking all these parents' money? I mean, it seems like a pretty good damn deal. Well, the, the the taking money part of it is is obviously the one thing I would probably disagree with the most. But you know, the one thing I I I think that that you can't really look past is you can learn baseball from anyone, and you know if you get on those social media posts and the gurus and the, the folks who are kind of doing it on the internet, uh, you can tangle through the stuff that you look at and go, no chance. Um, I mean, you know, like, Hey, I can't do that with my guy. Um, that's not something that you would do in the big leagues, but maybe it is something that you do as a building block um, for a kid who's in high school or early high school or whatever. Um, you know, obviously injury is a big, a big factor in all of this, but you know, I, I found over the years, um, you know, I can't beat them. I can't disagree with all of them. Um, and I don't know where all of them are coming from. What I can do is take bits and pieces of it and go, you know, I think that's pretty cool. I can use that. Or I can put that in my toolkit and, and maybe save it for a rainy day. I think like, like the bottom line is some of it's good and some of it's bad. Um, you guys, you know, you all played um, and you, you've seen that. You've seen that the drill that like, hey, it's a great drill, but it doesn't work for me. You've also seen that kind of drill that isn't supposed to work, but for whatever reason, it speaks to you. And all of a sudden, you know, your swing gets right. Um, and, and so then you, you keep it and you believe in it. Um, and you've also seen where you keep doing that drill and over time, it kind of corrupts itself and becomes less useful. So, you know, there's a lot of different ways to slice the cat, if you will, or the cake. And, and uh, there's a lot of, of different ways to do it. I think the bottom line is, you know, I think it's there's a lot of really good information out there. You just got to be really careful, especially when you're spending money on it. I don't think we're slicing any cats here at FT. Yeah, we're not so going to slice a cat. Yeah. We, like, we like cake. We like birthday cake. Um, what is the number one attribute that you like to see in a pitching prospect when the org says, hey, we drafted this guy. We're going to invite him to big league camp. What's the number one attribute that Derek Johnson's going to be like? Look down the six pack and be like, "Whoa, 
I don't care what kind of stuff they have. Um, I mean, obviously their stuff has to be good or good enough. It's that dog in them. It's that, um, that mindset. It's to, to me, that's a quality that is really hard to instill in a player. Um, if, if he's not competitive, if he doesn't have a competitive spirit, if this guy isn't willing to fight for himself, if this guy's not, not willing to, to fight for what he believes in, I mean, you know, one thing as a pitching coach is I can go up to someone and go, Hey man, what about this? And the guys who are yes men and say yes on everything, generally speaking, don't have a good enough base yet to understand like, Hey, this is mine. And you're not going to take that away. Um, it, it's the one thing that every player has. You got here for a reason, right? Like there's a reason why you are in big league camp and there's a way that you got there. And, and so that route, the history of that, it, it should become really important to that player. If I come up and sort of like with the wind say, Hey man, like, what about this? Yeah, I think it's great, you know, to, for, for you to think of it. Maybe there's some truth to it. Maybe there's something that you can use with it. But if you're willing just to sacrifice kind of everything that got you there, um, I, I think that's a problem because for, for me, like I need you to know like, hey, when it's me versus you and the game is on the line, I don't care if you know my fastball is coming. I don't care if you know my breaking ball is coming. Here it is. Can you hit it? Um, when and if you do, I tip my cap. When and if you don't, you know, I walk off the field and, and I did my job. DJ, I want to ask uh, about my guy, Hunter Green. I think he took a lot of major strides towards being the stud and star that yeah. we all think he is. Obviously, a person, top class, top notch. Um, barring, obviously, uh, injuries, what do you think he needs to do to take that next step, to be the all-star, to be into that Cy Young category competition? Because his stuff, we all know, plays. And he's this is going into his, I think, third or fourth full fourth full season. So third. I think third, third full season. And, you know, learn, he's learned a lot at the big league level. What do you think he can do to just make that jump to, all right, this guy's, this guy's elite. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's great that you asked that question because it, it really kind of falls in line with what we just talked about. Hunter is um, one of the best kids I've ever been around. I mean, you know, athletically he's elite. Um, the way he throws the baseball is is elite. Um, he's been um, his his parents did a, an outstanding job of raising him. He's just a good young man. Um, but I I I did have a, a a talk with him later in the year about kind of being a dude, and I, not that it has to be necessarily what you see on the mound. It's what he does in between. And you know I think Hunter, along with a lot of of young guys really, you know, they, they struggle and they search for, for what works for them. And I, I think that's definitely where he's at. I think he's a work in progress on, you know, how he plays catch every day, what he does as a routine, um, you, you know, and, and they build those habits in the minor leagues. Unfortunately for, for Hunter, you know, you had a, he had a couple of things against him. Uh, he, he was hurt when he first came in. Um, COVID struck, and now all of a sudden he's on our team. And so he really hasn't pitched very many innings of baseball uh, in, in prof professionally. So he had to learn a lot of this on the fly. And so I, I think for him, it's kind of those dude qualities that we're talking about. It's like, you know, if if you study for the test, you know, now go out and get an A on it. And, and I mean, he's got to learn how to study, um, you, you know, and, and we've talked a lot this offseason. I think he's doing a really good job 
you know, with his throwing and, and kind of upping that, like the, the volume and the intensity of it. And, you know, for me, it's like taking those steps. It's, you know, he's going to walk into every game really confident. Um, he, he, he does prepare. He understands what hitters are trying to do to him. He does know that he has, has a target on his back, which I love. Like to me, it's the best way to pitch. Um, you know, I don't want to be under the radar when I'm pitching. I want to be like, hey, this guy knows and they have to be ready to hit me. And if they're not, I'm going to have my way with them. And that's, you know, to me, the way that it works in your favor on the mound. So I think just those, you know, routine things that he has to learn about himself to get him right for each and every start. And then I think the last part of that is, you know, staying healthy and going through an absolute full season kind of start to finish you know, 32, 34 starts, whatever it ends up being, and, you know, kind of going the distance wire to wire. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. All right, take us back to 2019 when you just come over to the Reds. Take us to the conversation that you had with one of your previous tutelage young men, Sonny Gray, in college. Talk through the conversation that you had with him when he came out of the situation in New York that he had, because we talked about this earlier. We talked about a conversation that he and I had about how Larry and him didn't see eye to eye on pitch selection. Talk about that conversation that you guys had, like, oh, man, you know, I love I love playing for DJ. He gets me, blah, blah, blah. And then he goes out and is an all-star. I, I had a real head start, right? Like, I've known him since he was 15, and – um, I was there um, for a really good bit of, of his high school career and then obviously for his college career. Um, you know, and so to, to circle back with him, it was just, I mean, A, it was a lot of fun B, because I love the kid. And, and B, to, to me, like he had just sort of gotten off the rails a little bit. And I wouldn't blame anyone for that. I think, you know, if, if nothing else, like he was being a a student of the game. He was listening to the people who were trying to tell him, you know, hey, this is what we think would would help you get better. And so, you know, he was was being uh, he was being coachable. And I, I think along the way, he kind of lost himself. And and so really the conversation with us just revolved around getting back to who he was. And um, I, I've had a saying, I've said it for a long, long time. It's, it's be great at what you're good at. And, you know, Sonny, has a, a good two-seamer. It's a seam shift kind of thing uh, that works really well for him. He was throwing mostly four-seamers. His four-seamer is kind of a cut-ride pitch, which is also good. But he was throwing more of those. He was throwing more sliders. He wasn't landing his slider as much. But he had a curveball that he was born with, literally, 
And I wanted him to throw that a little bit more. So it, it kind of became, hey, I want you to continue to throw the four seam. I want you to continue to throw the, the slider, but strike pitches and pitches that we can believe in and that the hitter has to be responsible for, let's go a little bit more with the two seamer and let's go a little bit more with your curveball, which he did. Um, and what happened is it opened up his slider a little bit more. He got a little bit more chase on that. Um, the four-seamer became a, a really kind of unique pitch to a lefty. What he ended up started doing with lefties is he would kind of cut right it into their hands, and then he would 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 front hip the, the two-seam, and it ended up kind of becoming almost a trademark with him, and he, he'd X that top spot at, at the, the lefty's hands. Righties, obviously, he's burying a lot of that stuff on their hands, too, and then can work it away from them. So he had a plan against a lefty and a righty. It was simple. It was something that he knew he could do. He was good at doing it. And really, like, it was following that formula, you know, be great at what you're good at. And um, he, he took that advice. He ran with it. And, um, you know, I'm just awfully proud of, you know, kind of what he's done in the last few years. You know, even though he's not red anymore, it's still – a lot of fun to watch him pitch. He was almost red. We heard some rumors that he almost came back. Is was it was it close? I think so. Yeah. Um, you, you know, and and I don't know all of the details. I spoke with him, and you know, it's always rough when you know someone the way I know him because you're talking business, and of course, you want him on your club. And then on the other side of it, so I always I, I start that conversation by saying, you know, listen, selfishly, I want you here. Um, the unselfish part of me wants you to make as much money as you can and be as happy as you can. Um, and, and so if that's not here, that's good too. Um, and so it, it was a tough conversation when he called and said that he was going to go elsewhere, you know, at the same time, he's got a beautiful family. His wife's a great lady. Um, and, and, you know, if he felt like that was a better situation for him, then that that's awesome. Um, but I think it was close. I think we had a, a really good shot. I do think it came down kind of between just a couple of clubs. And, and um, you know, so we, we lost out at the same time. You know, there's reasons for that, that, you know, who's the next guy we're going to sign? Um, you know, what's next? We always got to kind of keep moving. I wanted to ask about the 23 season overall. Started out with stretching the central. It started out with Pittsburgh. We go here talking. Is Pittsburgh going to the playoffs? We don't right. know. But just the excitement. <laughs> the excitement this year from Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, not just St. Louis, Chicago, and Milwaukee. How exciting is it and bright for your future, exciting for your future, that you guys, small market, you guys in the Pittsburgh Pirates are going to be knocking at the door now. You're not just going to be the doormats of the, of the Central. You're not going to, to y'all ballpark and everybody just run to the bat rack. It's like, I don't really want to go here no more. How is that knowing that, like, you know what? We have a team now. We got a squad. We got yeah. some young studs, Benson, yeah. De La Cruz, and the, yeah. the pitching staff. Let's not talk about them. Um, how is that knowing that, like, you know what? Even if and, – and we got money to spend, you guys can be formidable in this division no matter what the other move, other division, divisional rivals have made. Yeah, I, I would just start by saying last year, you know, and, and we fell short – but it was one of the funnest years I've ever had as a coach. Um, and it was pr probably the theme for me. It was like we we didn't know what we didn't know. Um, I mean, we had so many young guys and it was their first time for doing everything. Um, and it was just a very close knit group. You know, generally speaking, every year you're going to have a little bit of, of riff somewhere. Right. We didn't really have any of that. 
Um, you always kind of feel that offense versus defense, pitcher versus position player kind of thing. And, and honestly, I, I never felt that at all, um, all the way through the year. And I, I think it's a testament, number one, to, to some of our, our team guys, you know, that, that led our team. Um, you know, Jonathan India, I thought, was a, a great leader. Luke Maley was a, a good leader, I thought. Uh, you know, there were a few guys, obviously, with Joey, um, he, you know, and, and just all of his experience and, and how he, he speaks. And, you know, when Joey speaks, everyone listens. So we, we just had a, a lot of people that were, you know, kind of pulling in the right direction or the same direction. And then again, it was just kind of cool because it was so young and it's like they didn't even know. They were just out kind of having fun. And, you know, I remember sitting on the bench in Milwaukee when when Ellie stole home and I, I'm watching him and I can see that he's going to do it. And I'm like grabbing, I think it was Steve-O, Steve-O, uh, Stevenson was sitting next to me and I'm grabbing and I'm shaking him and he's kind of looking and here he goes and he steals home. And it's just like, you know, we went bananas in, in our, our dugout. And it was just things like that. Like, I think everyone was really pulling in, in the, the same direction and, you know, we were having fun and, and we do, we have a, a, just a great group of kids that I think pull for one another. And, Man, I think if you can get that in Major League Baseball, like you, you've got a lot of stuff that that you can look forward to. That's going to be pretty, pretty positive. All right, 2018, Game Seven, we lose, we go home, we get hugs, and you text me that you have a great opportunity to go to Cincinnati. That is more than an opportunity. That is anywhere else. Fast forward to 2023. And your boy, Cece, Craig Council, has a very similar opportunity. Now, you set the market for pitching coaches because of an opportunity that the Reds saw in you. What do you feel about Council's decision to not only go in the same division, the Reds-Brewers rivalry is just a tick smaller than the Cubs-Brewers rivalry? Well, you know that as well as I do, right? I, I, I would just quantify everything by saying that Counts, is, um, his contract's got a couple more zeros than mine had, but um, <laughs> awesome for him, dude. Like, that's such a cool thing. And um, I, I actually, I saw him, he was in Cincinnati watching his son, uh, his youngest son play. He plays at the University of Michigan. They were playing a fall game against University of Kentucky. So I went out and watched and he happened to be there we talked for two or three hours and, and, you know, he was talking about all of this. Then he made no mention of the Cubs, which, you know, maybe there wasn't anything there uh, at the time, but, you know, I, I look at it, I think he was right. And, you know, he was talking about the same things that he talked about in his interviews after, you know, after they hired him and he, he did, he, he tried to, to, to help, you know, coaches in the future make more money, which, you know, the players are, are doing a great job of that. You know, hopefully the, the coaches can start to kind of push in that direction, too. Um, and, and so, you know, by counts doing that, you know, certainly for coaches, um, it, it's got to help. But, you know, I'm happy for him. I think he's a you know, I think he's a great manager. I think he's a great guy. I think he's easy to play for. He's definitely easy to work for. Um, and, you, you know, like he's. He's definitely kind of breaking the mold in terms of like maybe what we're going to see here in the very near future. So <clears throat> we've seen some guys leave MLB and go back to college. Wes Johnson, right? Yeah. What's the what's the way to get these guys to stay? Why why 
like you left college, came to, to professional ball, but but you see guys going back now because yeah. of the money, the home. You know, you're in one place for the whole time. You're staying there. You know, all you have to really do, especially if you're the head coach, all you got to do is send your lackeys out there to recruit. And you're like, oh, let me see them one time in camp, right? So how do we get guys to want to be coaches in Major League Baseball? Is it upping coaches' salary? Is it giving them more authority? What's the way to make these guys want to stay? I, I think the salary is is a big, big piece of it. And I, I think you have to look at it even further than just, you know, the Major League. Like, you, you know, there's a ton of really, really good minor league coaches um, that are – very poorly paid in, in a lot of ways, you know, so the minor league coach who's, you know, making X can go to a college, do the same exact job, be home, you know, way more and then make double that. Um, that's where we have to get to. Um, I, I think because that's what we're losing, you know, we're losing these really quality minor league coaches. They're going back into college. They're making more money. Um, and so we have to be able to compete with that. I don't think the authority part of it uh, is probably the, the thing that's, that's needed. I'm not sure that there are very many coaches who feel like they need more authority. Um, you, you know, I think once you work in professional baseball for even just a couple of years, you understand really fast that there are levels, you know, kind of, and we all kind of say, hey, you know, stay, stay, stay in your rail, uh, you know, and, and stay, stay in your lane. And, you know, so you understand really quickly that there's a lot of pieces that go into, you know, who we're going to get in the draft, who we're going to get internationally, um, you know, what we're going to spend on acquisition wise. And so to me, it's almost like you relent that you don't, you know, it doesn't even bother you anymore. It's like, hey, we got this guy. Okay, now what? What do we do with him? Um, but I do think that the salaries would, would help. I, I think, you know, if you're looking at, what the players are making. And of course, minor league baseball players aren't making a ton. So I, I understand that. But at the same time, like if you're looking in comparison and, and players playing coaches coach, but coaches have to be compensated and they have to be compensated in a way that, that they feel like, Hey, you know, this, this team, you know, they, they respect me and they, they want me here. Um, and so it can probably come in a, a couple of different ways, not only salary, but just years, you know, of, of, on a contract. Um, a lot of guys are still working on a one-year contract. Um, and I, I worked on a one-year contract for a few years too in, in professional baseball. So it, it's tough, you know, when you're making what you're making and you're not exactly sure what's going to happen next year. You go to college, you're making more. And chances are, unless you you do something really foolish, like you're going to be there again next year. Um, and, and, you know, so so I, I just think if we can even that part of it out, we'll, we'll keep more coaches happy. Very well stated, and it is definitely possible. Like <laughs> the game is doing well, so I'm with feels you there. Like it. Yeah, it certainly <laughs> yeah, I mean, feels, it feels like, like, it. like it. It it looks like it. We know we're at the games. People are there. The contracts are healthy. On that note, actually, so far your team has brought on two pretty big name veteran pitchers, right? So mm -hmm. I'm sure you've already dug into what you've seen from them. If not, also maybe given your opinion that helped to sign Nick Martinez and Emilio Pagan. So curious to get your take on those two. And my only follow-up, cause I'll mix this in based on time for Pagan is he is a fly ball pitcher. How do you counter that in your ballpark? Well, I'll start with that because it's the, maybe the easiest place to start. Um, there, there's a lot of fly ball pitchers and our park is pretty Homer prone. Um, and so 
you know, we're definitely not going to try to turn him into a ground ball pitcher. We're not going to to move his usage around, you know, unless there's something that we think can, can really help him. The way I look at our park um, is home runs are going to happen. Um, what we have to chase, at least in our ballpark and probably with our staff, is we, we have to chase a lot of strikes, but we also have to chase miss. And um, we, we know that home runs are going to happen. We, we feel like if we throw enough strikes, we don't walk people, um, which we've been probably not as good as what we need to be. We also are pretty young. But I, I think if we throw the ball across the plate and we can we can learn how to make guys miss the ball, to me, that's the best remedy um, in our ballpark. And I think Pagan can do that. I think Nick can do that as well. Um, you, you know, and, and so it's really just kind of taking that that thought process process and saying, OK, if we throw the ball across the plate a lot, if we um, can figure out how to make guys miss and then when they do hit, you know, how do we make them miss hit or you know, I, I guess kind of limit damage, limit um, hard hit percentage and things like that. Well, then we're in business. And I think, you know, both guys have, have shown that they have the ability to do that somewhat. And maybe we can exploit, you know, them to do it even more. But Pagan's been around. Um, he started using his fastball more last year, which he, he says made all of the difference in the world. Um, you know, for me, him coming in, I want him to use his fastball. That's fine. That sounds like a really good idea to me. Um, and then we'll figure out the rest as we go with, with, with Nick, it's, it's the Swiss army appeal. I mean, he can start, he can relieve, he's done them both and he's done them both well. And I think for where we're at right now, we, we do need sort of that swing guy that we can kind of count on. Um, I'll build him as a starter, um, in spring training because I think it's the right thing to do. And then we'll kind of figure out where that fits, but, but both guys serve good purpose. Um, Pagan can pitch at the end of the game. Uh, you know, whatever that looks like. And I think Nick probably could too. So, you know, I, I think we have a, a two, two guys that are, are pretty um, versatile. And I think versatility for us, especially with all these young guys that we have, I, I think that's a really important piece for us. DJ, I had to ask, I mean, future Hall of Famer, Joey Votto. Um, I know you've, you had the last few years with him, which seems like as, you know, as a fan, the coolest years of his career as he opened up a little bit. Obviously, yeah. the first 15 years of his career, he was, I don't think he said 15 words, but <laughs> how was it being around him, his aura, obviously his work ethic, uh, just being around Votto? I grew up with him in minor leagues and came up with him and played against him so many times. And what yeah. was your experiences with him? He would sit on the bench with me occasionally and and we would chat about whatever. Um, and that was the, the coolest part. Like there were just these unique things that he would ask me somewhere, you know, at, at first kind of strange, it took me back a little bit saying, I don't really know how to answer this. Is this a trick question? What do you got? But he, he's a, a very, very deep thinker. Um, he, he's calculated in a, in a good way. I don't mean that in a, in any sort of negative way. Um, but to watch how he works in spring training to, to listen to, to how he talks to the younger players, to be around him and to be able to talk baseball. Like we talked about different pitchers. We talked about, you know, how his swing and when it feels right and what that means to him. Um, so I, I learned a lot from him and it, it was just fun because it was always a little bit different. You never knew exactly where it was going to go, um, but it was always unique. And it, it always, I always walked away from it going like, that was cool. Like I didn't know it was going to be cool. But that was cool. 
And, um, and I thought that's what Joey brought as much as anything. I think he's really good. He's really underrated in terms of, of how he talked to, to young players. And I think he had to work at doing that. Like it's not necessarily his nature, but he took it upon himself to do that. So, you know, for all intents and purposes for me, like the last three or four years with him has been just a, a really cool experience and, and one that I'm just, I'm really happy that I had a chance to be around him because it was, was a lot of fun and I learned a lot. All right. Last one for me. We got to say bye after this. Look, you got to take care of Suter B, okay? The guy lives in Cincinnati. He would fit really well. You said the word Swiss Army Knife. Call the Reds, whoever the guy is that's making the decision. Be like, Suter B wants two years, 13 mil. Grazie. Yeah, yeah. It's funny, man. I mean, and I'm, I'm, I'm with you for sure. Do you remember what I, when I called him the artist and he looked at me and I said, you know, most people paint with a brush and, you know, they, they paint a picture. I'm like, you just take the whole can of paint, throw it up against the canvas. He's <laughs> like art. Um, I mean, and that's him in a nutshell. Like that dude, you have no idea how he, how he does it. And you look up and he's got a, a three, five, and he's done fine all year long. He can start for you. You know, he can be a reliever. He can pitch at a moment's notice. I mean, I love the guy clubhouse wise. He's the best. He does live in Cincinnati. Um, would love to see him with us at the same time. Got to stay in your lane. Um, but, but I have definitely talked uh, about him. <laughs> Get it done. Get it done. All right. DJ. That's a bit. Are we going to add that to the title then? Kratzy? Sure. Uh, yeah, pitching recruiter, coordinator, director of yeah. pitching philosophy, jargon. All of which is to mean nothing, really, right? Gotcha. No, it just means hey, more <laughs> more names in your name title, right. more cash in your pocket, more years guaranteed. You're, you're mm-hmm. the show hand of the pitching coaches, All right, DJ? Yeah, I'm not sure I'd do that. I I, I, I don't know if I could defer that much. <laughs> <laughs> Good call. Like holy wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good, man. Like, a, a, that dude's a rich for a long, long, long time. <laughs> Derek, awesome to have you on here for the first time. Really appreciate it. Great uh, conversation, and uh, hope to do it again sometime. Enjoy the rest of the off season, man. Thanks, guys. It was really cool being here. <laughs>